0: You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click Donate. And, And I know it's much easier to preach a gospel that says God loves us. It's much more challenging to teach a gospel calling on people to love each other. Welcome, everyone, to episode 504. My name is Herb Montgomery, and our title this week is The Gospel Jesus Taught. The lectionary reading this weekend from the Gospels coming up is Mark 1, 14 through 20, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John, in a boat. They were both preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their nets. They left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So every year around this time, I find myself, because we follow the lectionary format, writing on on the themes that we find in, in this week's passage. You can take a look at uh, two of my previous uh, uh, entries on on Matthew's version of this story and Luke's version of this story, um, Matthew's I did in 2022, and Luke's I did last year in 2023. Uh, you can find those on our website, and I'll put links to them in this week's uh, e-site as well. But before we dive into the 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 fishing metaphor that I've written about previously, let's let's explore a little bit how our reading this week begins. First, Herod has imprisoned John. Rome and and Rome's extensions are generally they were generally tolerant of things that we consider today to be of, of, of a religious nature, that they tolerated a, a, a multiplicity, a plural, a pluralism, so to speak, a, a multiplicity of different religious beliefs. What Rome didn't tolerate was anyone who became a social, political, or economic threat to Rome's status quo and power structure. And John, remember, he didn't get arrested because he was. Handing out tickets to to heaven or doing some type of religious evangelism out of the Jordan, he was arrested because he came to be seen by those in power as a threat. He he came to be seen as a threat to the system. And again, I, I wrote about this back in December of twenty twenty three, last year, uh, last month. I'll put a link to it in uh, uh, this week's seaside also. But I, I mentioned Josephus's description there. Of how Herod viewed John the Baptist as a a social threat, and after John is arrested, our passage this week says Jesus sets out preaching his gospel. And I want to try this week and get inside the headspace of the gospel authors. Here, they aren't describing good news about Jesus or a gospel being preached about Jesus like we would preach today. Instead, they're talking about the very gospel that Jesus himself taught, the, the, the gospel that Jesus went around sharing. So what was that gospel like? Well, first, the word gospel, it's not a Jewish term, but a Roman one. When Rome would conquer a a new territory, it would send out a messenger called an evangelist to go through the area announcing the gospel or the good news that these people had just been conquered by their savior Caesar, who was called savior of the world, and, and that they would now be subject to the Empire of Rome and the Pax Romana. Here, I'll give you a few examples this week of how Rome used the term gospel. I'll put the reference to each one of these uh, in this week's East Side 2. But this first one's from Plutarch, and uh, it reads, Even after the Battle of Mantinea, which Thucydides had described, the one who first announced the victory had no other reward for his gospel, and this is the word euangelion, than a piece of meat sent by the magistrates from the public mess. The next one is from Plutarch as well. Accordingly, when Aristodemus had come near, he stretched out his hand and cried with a loud voice, Hail, King Antigonus! We have conquered Ptolemy in the sea fight, and now holds Cyprus with 12,800 soldiers as prisoners of war. To this Antigonus replied, Hail to these, thee also by heaven! But for torturing us in this way, thou shalt undergo punishment, the reward for thy gospels, and this is used plural, thou shalt be some time in getting. He must have held them in suspense. And lastly, from Plutarch as well, why, as we are told, the Spartans merely sent meat from the public commons to the man who brought the gospel, and the word here again is euangelion, of the victory in Mantinea, which Thucydides describes. And indeed, the compilers of histories are, as it were, reporters of great exploits who are gifted with the faculty of felicitous speech and achieve success in their writing through the beauty and force of their narration. And to them, those who first encountered and recorded the events, and the word here used for events is euangelion, or gospel, are indebted for a pleasing retelling of them. So again, the term gospel comes out of the Roman Empire, not out of Judaism. And unlike the gospel that these Roman messengers announced, Jesus' gospel wasn't about Rome, but about what he referred to as the kingdom. In the kingdom or the reign of God, there would be, according to Jesus, enough for everyone. All debts would be canceled in the spirit of Jubilee, all slaves set free, and the land returned to its original owners. You can find these inclusions in Jesus' gospel in various places throughout the, the synoptics. You can find in Matthew six, eleven, Luke four, eighteen through nineteen, Matthew five, forty-five. Jesus was also not merely announcing that that God's just future was coming. He was announcing that it it had arrived. It wasn't a it wasn't future in the sense that it's still out there. He was saying it's come near. it's arrived. And the response that he called for from his listeners was that they would repent and believe the good news. Now, this phrase "repent and believe," it's become formulaic. In some Christian circles, uh, as as part of their gospel presentation, and it's very because of that, it's very difficult for us Christians not to hear this phrase religiously as pertaining to accepting the gift of eternal life. But the Greek phrase metanoisin kai pistos," which is repent and believe, um. It, it It was a common phrase. Josephus uses this phrase when he tells the the story of when he visited a a Jewish brigand or a rebel in prison for he was in prison for rebelling against Rome. And Josephus is attempting to convince the rebel to leave that path of rebellion and to take up a more cooperative posture toward the empire like josephus modeled that you can find this story in thackeray's the life of flavius josephus page 110 but the phrase that josephus uses in his plea to this brigand is is to repent and to trust him or repent and believe what he's saying. It's the metanois and kaipistos again. And it's the the same language that we read here in Mark from Jesus' gospel preaching. Josephus wasn't calling on this rebel to trust in Josephus as his savior, but to abandon the path that he was on and to trust Josephus that his counsel, what he was telling him, was actually wisdom. So Jesus using the same phrase in, in in our reading this week is preaching a gospel of the kingdom, not a gospel of Rome. And he's calling his listeners to repent not of rebellion against Rome or or to accept Rome's government governance, but rather he's calling for his listeners to repent or to rethink their current path of complicity with the status quo. And he's calling his listeners to trust him, to trust that what he's sharing is wisdom, and to enter into God's just future now. So it's in this context that we have to understand Mark's next narrative move of, of Jesus calling these fishermen. We, I, and I know it's a challenge, but we have to set aside that Christian evangelism framing that this passage has suffered since this story was told and and try to hear this passage as challenging as it may be as the original Jewish Jesus followers would have heard it so first this language of being fishers of people it's not a metaphor for evangelism proselytizing was not widely practiced in most expressions of Judaism at this time and though there were occasional converts Most scholars today agree that Jews didn't do much proselytizing in the first century. Jesus wasn't calling to these Jewish fishermen to become proselytizers. That would have been completely a foreign idea to them. Instead, the reference to fishing for people was a familiar metaphor, and it was calling to another kind of action— And we find this metaphor in the justice tradition of the Hebrew prophets. Jesus was calling these fishermen to join him in challenging the harm that was being done to people in the here and now. He wasn't inviting them to change people's status in the hereafter. In several Hebrew scriptures, fishing for people, it was about hooking or catching a certain kind of person. And that person was a powerful, unjust person. And it was about removing them from their position of power where they were yielding harm. Speaking about those who do harm with within their positions of power, Jeremiah 16.16, 16, Jeremiah reads, But now I will sin for many fishermen, declares the Lord. And they will catch them. And after that, I will send for many hunters, and they will hunt them down on every mountain and hill and from the crevices of the rock. Hunting and fishing both belong to this usage. Speaking of those who oppress the poor and crush the needy, in Amos 4.2, Amos reads, The sovereign Lord has sworn by His holiness, the time will come when you will be taken away with hooks, the last of you with fish hooks. And speaking of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, Ezekiel in Ezekiel 29, 1 through 6 reads In the 10th year, in the 10th month, of the 12th day, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set your face against Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Prophesy against him and against all Egypt. Speak to him and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says I am against you, Pharaoh, king of Egypt. You great monster lying among your streams, You say the Nile belongs to me, I made it for myself, but I will put hooks in your jaws and make the fish of your streams stick to your scales. I will pull you out from among your streams, and all the fish sticking to your scales I will leave you in the desert, and you and all the fish of your stream, you will fall on the open field and not be gathered or picked up. I will give you as food to the beasts of the earth and the birds of the sky then all who live in Egypt will know that I am the Lord. Ched Myers, in his commentary on Mark, he writes, this is from uh, Say to This Mountain, Mark's story of discipleship, page 10. He writes, in the Hebrew Bible, the metaphor of people like fish appears in prophetic censures of apostate Israel of the rich and powerful in Jeremiah, in Amos, and of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, in Ezekiel. Jesus is, in other words, summoning working folk to join him in overturning the structures of power and privilege in the world. And also, in Meyer's book, Binding the Strongman, a political reading of Mark's story of Jesus, and this is page 132, he writes, There is perhaps no expression more traditionally misunderstood than Jesus' invitation to these workers to become fishers of men. The metaphor, despite the grand old tradition of missionary interpretation, does not refer to the saving of souls as if Jesus was conferring on these men instant evangelist status. Rather, the image is carefully chosen from Jeremiah where it's used as a symbol of Yahweh's censure of Israel. Elsewhere, the hooking of fish is a euphemism for judgment upon the rich, as in Amos, and the powerful, as in Ezekiel. Taking this mandate for his own, Jesus is inviting common folk to join him in the struggle to overturn the existing order of power and privilege. When Jesus uses this phrase, he's standing in that Hebrew prophetic justice tradition. Jesus was calling these fishermen to join him in hope in change, and with him in participating in in God's just future. And that just future, it begins with challenging the existing order of power and privilege, specifically because of the harm that the status quo causes. When God's just future arrives, it doesn't ignore the harm that's presently being done by the systems that are already in place it calls us to participate with that just future and challenge those systems love love means caring for people and what they're suffering here and now that's why cornell west often says justice is what looks like what love looks like in public and and i know it's much easier to preach a gospel that says god loves us it's much more challenging to teach a gospel calling on people to love each other. And perhaps that's why Jesus' message in the Gospels, it's rarely, in, in the synoptic Gospels especially, it's rarely about God's love toward us per se. It's present at times, but it's rarely emphasized. It doesn't even show up in the book of Acts, which is supposed to be about the Gospel turning the world upside down. God's love is never mentioned once in that entire book, instead, Jesus' gospel, it repeats the call of the Hebrew prophets for us to love one another, to love neighbor and even enemy. And love, remember, is not something that we're simply to bask in, that somehow we are assured of, that, that we're the objects of divine affection. Love is the ethic that the God of love calls us to live by in our relations with each other. A gospel that is only about God's unconditional love for us, that has historically served as mere guilt alleviation for those in positions of power and privilege. It helps those complicit in harm basically to rest at night. It doesn't matter how much a gospel about Jesus talks about God's love if it doesn't include the gospel of Jesus And this call for us to love one another. I'm thinking specifically about how love relates to distributive justice for others, especially those presently being harmed. Without that call, it may be again a gospel about Jesus, but it's not the same gospel that Jesus taught in these early stories. A gospel may include again God's universal and unconditional love, but if that gospel doesn't result, in the adherence of that gospel, also loving their neighbors, then that gospel, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, is a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. Heart group application this week. Share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, what would a society shaped by love look like? Share and discuss that with your group. And then, number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today. I want to say a special thank you to all of our supporters out there. If you'd like to join them in supporting Renewed Heart Ministries work, you can do so by going to renewedheartministries.com and clicking donate. And I have some exciting news. I've just signed an agreement with a new book publisher, Choir Publishing, and we are putting together a launch team for the second edition of Finding Jesus that is coming out next month. If you've been blessed by the first edition and you would like to see this book have greater exposure to reach an even larger audience, I want to invite you to be part of our launch team. This second edition, it'll be available in paperback, a Kindle version, and exciting news, and an audiobook version that'll be available on audible and the great news for those who already have a copy of the first edition the first 25 people to sign up for being part of our launch team will also receive a free audible copy of the second edition their uh the audio book of of finding jesus so to to it, to be part of the launch team you really only need to do four things number one when it's available go to amazon and pre-order a copy of the second edition when that pre order is ordered, I will send you number two a PDF copy of the second edition that you can pre-read as you're getting ready for launch day. And then number three, on launch day, this is all you have to do. Go back to Amazon, write a review for Finding Jesus there, and you'll be able to do that on day one since you've already read the PDF copy. And then number four, lastly, share your review of Finding Jesus on your social media pages that day also. It's pretty simple. That's all there really is to it. If you already have a copy again of the first edition, This is a great opportunity to get the audiobook version on Audible as soon as it's available. If you'd like to to, to join our launch team, email me at info at RenewedHarmMinistries.com and just put in the subject of your email launch team. And and I want to thank each of you in advance for being a part of of this second edition publishing, uh, ensuring that this edition and this partnership with choir is a success. You can find Renewed Heart Ministries on X or Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Metas New Threads. If you haven't done so already, please follow us on your chosen social media platforms for our daily post. And also, if you enjoy listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, please like and subscribe to this podcast through whatever podcast platform you use and consider taking a moment to give us a positive review there. This helps others find our podcast as well. If you would like to watch our new YouTube show, called Just Talking. Todd Leonard and I take a moment to uh, to talk about the Gospel Lectionary reading for the upcoming weekend. Each week, we will be talking about each one of those readings in the context of love and inclusion and societal justice. And our hope is that our talking will be just as in justice. But that also, during our brief conversation, uh, you'll be inspired alongside of us to do more than just talking. So if you teach from the lectionary each week, or if you're just looking for some thoughts on the Jesus story from a more progressive perspective within the context of social justice, check it out. You might like it. You can find it at youtube.com forward slash at Herb and Todd, just talking. And if you'd like to reach us at Renewed Heart Ministries through email, as always, you can reach us here at info at renewed RenewedHeartMind ministries.com right where you are keep living in love choosing compassion taking action and working toward justice i love each of you dearly i'll see you next week